the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. The following program is sponsored by Next Steps for Seniors Foundation. This is Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. Each week, Wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Now, here's Wendy Jones with this week's guest. Good morning, and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and also, as you all know, owner and operator of Next Steps for Seniors, the business, and Next Steps for Seniors, the foundation. And so blessed each and every week to just bring you information. You know, every one of us gets older. We all age. It's not selective. (laughs) One person doesn't age and the other doesn't. Everybody ages. And every year, that number gets higher and higher and higher. And Today, what we do is just give you information as we age and the things that come our way that we need to know about. So this is a conversation that we love having. I always have a guest every week. I do a little words of wisdom at the end of the session, at the end of the segment. But this is the information that I really think people need to know. And the topic today is end of life. And of course, nobody wants to talk about this, but... The fact is, believe it or not, listeners, and I will be the one to tell you, we don't live forever. (laughs) We all think we do, but we don't. So we have to talk about these things. Actually, I have to talk about them. You just have to listen, right? So today we have Nancy Lesner with us. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. And I'm very blessed to have her. Nancy has been in um, hospice for years, and she's very familiar with working with families, talking about it just kind of moving through the process with families and seniors. And I think it's important that we hear from her today. So Nancy is with uh, the medical team hospice. So we're going to get started. And Nancy, your experience, I mean, you've been with medical team for years. I've been with the medical team for seven years, but I've been in hospice for 12 years. Right. And that's what we need. We need an expert. So you're the expert. (laughs) So my big thing that I think happens a lot when people call is that they don't know when to call hospice. Like they're not sure. They're like, oh, my loved one's fine. You know, I don't think they need hospice. But 
you know, how do people know when the right time is for hospice? Because it is a little bit, I will tell you this too, on that same thought, probably 90% of the families I've worked with said, I wish I would have called hospice sooner. That is the number one thing that comes out of it. So that's why I wanted you here today to talk with our our families on the radio and let us know how, what do we look for? What? How do you know when to call? And is it ever too early? It's never too early because I think the most important thing is to educate the community. Um, people think that hospice is just at end of life when somebody is on their deathbed. But really, the number one thing that I ask people um, when I talk to families is if you hear people say, I don't want to go back to the hospital, I want to stay at home, I want to be comfortable, I want to be around my family, those are like red flags that go up. And that's the time to give hospice a call. And it may not be the time to admit somebody to hospice, but I think the important message is to get out there and educate the community to know that they do have options. Um, a lot of t times, um, primary care physicians and even in the hospital, they won't give you that option right off the bat. But if you educate yourself and you know what is available out there, then hospice would be the avenue to go down. And it's never too early to educate, knowing what is out there and what's available. So those are pretty much, when I'm talking to people, um, hospice is basically an insurance policy that they won't go back and forth to the hospital. They won't go through any unnecessary testing. Um, and it's a, it's a way to honor your loved one's wishes. Um, and when you say um, it's never too late it's easier to have the patient tell you what they want because what the best gift you can give your loved one is what they're wishing for. Cause there's going to come a time we, we deal a lot with dem dementia. Um, and there's going to be a time that people can tell you things before it gets to end stage. And then you know how to deal with it at that point. And you make a good point because you know, Alzheimer's and dementia is one of the going to be one of the leading causes of death within 10 to 15 years, they say. So this is, listeners, this is statistics. So we mm -hmm. need to be thinking about ahead of time, right? So here's what I would like, you know, instead of, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to communicate this later, right? Exactly. I, I do agree with that. I think the other important thing to know is that hospice is a covered benefit by Medicare because it people don't know that. No, and it's covered 100% by Medicare. Um, and what that entails is a hospice team of professionals. You'll get a registered nurse. You'll get a social worker, an aide. Um, we have a chaplain. We have volunteers. And we also have music therapy and massage therapy. So those are covered benefits for the team. What else Medicare covers is durable medical equipment. So if somebody needs a hospital bed, walker, bedside commode, um, whatever they need to make their life easier. And this really is important for people that um, are uh, prone to falls because I know a lot of your listeners our caregivers and giving um, taking care of a loved one in their own home. So think about the durable medical equipment and then also the incontinence um, supplies. That's a big one. We supply the briefs, the blue pads, the the gloves, the wipes. Um, Those are very expensive. And people people don't. It comes right to your home. And then also medications that are related to the patient's diagnosis are all covered. Yes. 
Okay. So this is, I'm just going to get into a couple questions about families. If you listeners have a loved one who's been in the hospital, it seems like every single month mm-hmm. for the last six months, maybe, you know, you're driving to the hospital, you're, you're visiting, you're coming home. Then the month later, they're back in the hospital. A month later, they're back in the hospital. Repeated hospital visits is a, a pretty good indication. Wouldn't you say? Exactly. Yes. Yes. And especially, you know, the last few years with COVID, a lot of times that's the last place you want to take your loved one is to the hospital and sitting in the emergency room. And so we can come to your home and we can take care of you at your home if you meet the criteria. And we can go into that um, for the hospice benefit. So we're going to do that in the next segment because I do think the criteria is very important to understand. But listeners, repeated trips to the hospital is number one. Um, Some of the other things is a terminal illness because I have friends right now who have a loved one that is barely getting out of bed, that is, you know, has cancer. They know that it's end stage. They know it's stage four and they're not doing well at all. And I keep trying to talk to the family and it's a very, very hard decision to make to put someone on hospice because what their people, what families are thinking in their head is that means they're going to die. And listeners, this is so important. That does not mean they're going to die. Another thing that, um, families think is that they're giving up, but actually there's statistics out there that people that are on hospice actually live longer. Um, and I know when you bring up the, the cancer diagnosis, um, a lot of times the chemo and the radiation, they'll take them right to the very end and then we get them on hospice and they don't get the true benefit because we only have them for, you know, days or weeks. Um, so people, that's where, um, when you started the, the program, you said people waiting too long. So I know that radiation and chemo takes a lot out of people and their quality of life is diminished. Um, with hospice, we're able to control the pain. We're, we're able to keep them comfortable. And, and the best thing about hospice is giving them the quality of life for however long that is. None of us have a crystal ball, so we don't know, but usually the patient and it's up to the patient we all have that right to live our you know this is our journey and we can do what we want but when they say enough is enough that that's an indication right there that you know hospice would be a good choice for them i really do feel like it's comfort care so what i tell people is it's comfort care do you want your loved one to be comfortable or do you want them to be in pain and you know it, mm. No, everybody wants their loved one to be comfortable. And when you use the words comfort care, they're like, oh, yes, that's what my loved one needs is comfort. Well, it's a misconception too. When people hear the word hospice, they, again, they think of um, death, dying, um, giving up, all the negative things. And, and, Rightfully so, because back in the 80s when hospice came out, it was for cancer patients that were on their deathbed that they used medication um, for the pain, and they died, you know, quickly. So when you get the older generations, um, you know, you may have loved ones that are in their 80s, 90s. We even have patients in the 100s. That's what they think of when they think of hospice. And especially when you're dealing with patients that don't have dementia and they have 
they are of sound mind, it's very important to contact um, someone like myself who's out in the community and visits people in their homes and does an education and explains to them exactly the benefits that, you know, that, that are, they're entitled to. Well, and the other thing I think is really important is to understand you can actually go on hospice and go off of hospice. And I've seen that repeatedly because once you have all the support around you, they actually do better. Exactly. And then they're like, oh, and then they're like, well, you don't qualify anymore because now you're doing too well. We call that a hospice graduate. A hospice graduate. And we're going to get in in the next segment. I think it is important to understand, like you mentioned, the criteria. Okay. So listeners, I just want to challenge you, get your pen and paper out. I know this might not be something you really want to talk about, but it's something you really need to know. And I think the criteria is important because if you know anyone in your circle of friends, family, you can actually help educate them by saying, hey, I listened to this radio program. Here's some information I know about hospice. All right, you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. Our topic today is end-of-life care. And we're here with Nancy Lesnar from the medical team hospice. And she is just sharing with us some great information. We're going to go into what the criteria are to uh, be eligible for hospice. And like we mentioned in the first segment, it is a covered benefit by Medicare 100%. And this is important to know. Um, And that doesn't include room and board. That just includes the care. And I think that's also important. But we're going to turn it over to you, Nancy, to share with us the criteria for hospice. First of all, when you're going to um, uh, the the doctors, we need a doctor's order because we can't just go in and talk about hospice or see a patient without a physician giving us permission. So it's very important, those of you that um, go with your loved ones to the hospital, to have a conversation with the primary care physician or if you're in a hospital setting, you would want to talk to the doctor. Maybe they bring it up in the in the hospital. But there's the the first criteria is um, well, there's different there's different diagnoses for different um, disease states. But typically, somebody that has um, a decline in their mental status, they have um, a weight loss. Um, and or they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness such as um, a stage four cancer, um, a lung end stage lung disease, uh, end stage heart disease, those things. So there's um, each different um, diagnosis has different criteria, and I can't really go into the specifics because I am not clinical. But the signs to look for for just uh, the average caregiver. Again, is sleeping more, eating less, um, weight loss, again, mental status change, confusion. Um, those are like signs to look for. And again, we, you know, you know, we had talked about the ones that are going back and forth to the hospital where um, a lot of them sit in the waiting room in the emergency room and there's not really much that they can do and they just turn around and send them back. So Medicare has very strict guidelines. And um, my, my um, advice to people when I talk to them, somebody may not be ready for hospice, but if you do get a doctor's order from your doctor, we can have a nurse come out 
and they, they would do an assessment. They may or may not qualify at that time. And then we just kind of keep them on our radar. And if, you know, they have another episode, they give us a call, and then we would send a nurse back out to do an evaluation. So one of the things, uh, listeners, when she says doctor's order, it pretty much means a prescription. They call it a script. So if you go to the physician and they write you a script, right, on a yes. little pad that says, you know, take twice a day and, and give you a medication, that's the piece of paper she's talking about because you need to take that script and send it to the hospice company in order for it to be covered. Correct? Exactly. And on that script, they can just write hospice eval slash admit. Because a lot of doctors, the primary care doctors especially, they have elderly patients that not only have heart disease, lung disease, there's several different things. There's there's no specific um, diagnosis, but it's a it's you know they have different things going on. So um, they don't always know what the diagnosis is. They don't know what the criteria is because they are not the experts. What I tell people are there are oncologists, um, pulmonologists, cardiologists that specialize in that individual field. Think of hospice as a specialist in end of life, okay? We treat people from head to toe. Um, again, like I said, they have multiple different diagnoses. So it's up to the, um, again, Medicare has very specific guidelines in each diagnosis. When the nurse goes out to the home um, or the assisted living or AFC, wherever that person is, they're going to be looking for certain criteria to meet a, a diagnosis that Medicare accepts. Right, right. So this is just good information for you to know. And I do think it's important to understand the script part because a lot of people will just call a hospice company and they don't know what goes on behind the scenes at a hospital. The doctor's already written the script. They've already gotten it to the company. And then you just call, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're at home, if you're in a different place and not a hospital, you need to know that you need the script. And that's in your PCP, your primary care physician can usually do that for you. Another thing that I'd like to add is because my job is an outreach in the community and my job is to educate people on what hospice is, um, I would love if anybody wanted to give me a call before the fact because um, a lot of times you, they just don't know. And they may not be ready, but I like I like the fact that you have options out there. Um, a lot of the discharge planners and social workers and different people, they're so busy, they can't go into the ins and outs and the benefits and all that with patients and or families. And, and the families are very confused, um, you know, what to do, especially when you have a loved one that is living independently in their own home. And then, you know, you need to find placement for them, such as Next Step for Seniors. Um, and that's... That, that's an indication right there because they're no longer independent. They need help. They need assistance. And we also have um, uh, families and patients that haven't seen a doctor in, you know, three or four years, a lot of, and so in, a, in an instance like that, we would try to get like a visiting physician, a visiting physician to see them. 
um, see where they're at because we need like a baseline and then we can go from there. That's a good point. If you don't have a physician or you haven't been to the doctor, which many people may not have because of COVID, everyone was scared to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, this is a time where you could get them in, in contact with someone that would actually come to your house. A visiting physician office comes right to your home mm -hmm. and does the appointment yes. just so people know. So that's what it means. It's visiting physician. They travel around and just move, go to certain people's houses or communities or whatever. So mm -hmm. that is huge. Do you want to share your phone number, how people can reach you? Because that's a great point. My phone number is 734-779-9786. That is our office number. But I, I'm available. 734- I'm sorry, 779-9786. That is my office number. Okay. So you have a story you wanted to share with us. I, it's a personal story. And I, ha I am very passionate about hospice. Um, end of life journey is something that you can't do. It's, there's no do over mm -hmm. when someone dies, it's final. So I had a bad experience 12 years ago with my father who was 74 years old to travel down to Florida. He had, um, end stage pulmonary disease, but he was well enough to drive to Florida. He was on oxygen. Um, they got to Florida. They ran a place for two months. Um, after a week, he ended up in the hospital and never came out of the hospital. 30 days in the hospital, they were doing um, all kinds of, you know, different uh, tests. And I look back and my dad was basically used as a guinea pig. Um, that's that's the feeling that I got and my family got. We, we had a lot of false hope and he died in the hospital. So we didn't have a lot of support. Um, we were asking a lot of questions. There were a lot of unanswered questions, and so it was a very bad experience. Two years ago, I had my mother come down from Traverse City because she could no longer be um, by herself. She had pulmonary and um, heart disease. Um, she moved in with me during COVID, um, and before that, we were going back and forth to the hospital because she couldn't breathe, and she it was just there was nothing that they could do. They'd give her a breathing treatment and send her home. So it finally came to the point where I said, you either go back and forth to the hospital or you sign in with hospice. Um, she's an emergency, she was an emergency uh, room nurse. So she's familiar with yes, hospice. Yes, and mm -hmm. she thought that hospice meant you need to be dying and on your deathbed. Um, she had a lot of misconceptions. Um, we signed her on for hospice. And they started her on morphine, which we needed to educate her on because she thought that morphine was going to speed up the dying process. And actually, it helped clear it. it what it does is it, it um, the, uh, the muscles around the heart, it helps them breathe better. It relaxes the muscles around the heart and they're able to breathe better. Um, and it was like night and day. Um, she was on hospice for 14 months. We didn't have those episodes of her coughing and not being able to breathe. She was on medication. She had a quality of life. And, you know, at the end, it was very peaceful. And I call it a very beautiful death. I mean, right up until the day that she died. So I, I can say I experienced a bad death and a, and a good death. And that's why I go out into the community. I tell my story. I see it every day with people. Once I talk to them, educate them, you know, they're very grateful for my information. This is exactly what we needed to hear. Nancy, thank you for sharing that. Honestly, I'm sure it's hard, but listeners, this is exactly why she's here today. 
because we want you to have the experience that her mom did. Mm-hmm. And for 14 months, she was able to do what she wanted to do, enjoy her life as much as she could, have her family and friends come visit and talk and share memories before she passed. Mm-hmm. So this is what we want for you. It is not it is not a life and death decision. It's a very, very smart decision to choose hospice. And there are numerous companies out there I do recommend medical team. I think you guys do an amazing job. There are others. There are, just do your research because I will say this and you'll probably agree with me. There are times when hospice is so busy, they can't get to you. That is not the company you want. And I tell people, we got to take a break. Hold on. Hold that thought. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Wendy Jones and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back. We are here today with Nancy Lesnar from the medical team, and what a great couple segments we've had, just being educated, learning about what hospice is, and that it's truly comfort care, and all the benefits there are to hospice. It just, you can go on and off of it, and you can have a quality end of life. It truly is an amazing, and you've paid into Medicare your whole life. Why not take advantage of the Medicare benefit? And one of the things, um, Nancy, that we were talking about is there are a lot of hospice companies out there. How do you make the decision on what the right one is? And what do you need to look out for? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, all the hospital systems all have their own hospice. There's a lot of um, hospice companies out there. We are a privately owned company that has been in the Detroit area for over 45 years. We actually have um, office in Grand Rapids and Flint too. So we've been around for 45 years. What I tell people when I'm talking to people um, is interview interview three different companies because a lot of times you're in the hospital and people think hospice is hospice and you know they, they just tell you to go home and ha- somebody's going to call from hospice. And I've had, a, I've had families that have been waiting for two, three days and they don't hear anything. If you were to call me, I would have that. We have like a two-hour turnaround. If we have a doctor's order, we can get out there. Hospice isn't something that you're going to wait around for. And so we do weekend admits. We do night admits. We're there for when the patient and the family need us. So that's one thing that sets us apart. But again, I think it's very important to interview the different companies because it would be just like, you know, if you were to interview um, a sitter um, you know, for your children, some, you know, your family members you care about, you want the best company for your family. Right. So do not wait a couple of days. If you don't hear from a hospice company within one day, you make another call well, and you start calling around. That's, that's crazy. I agree with you. And people don't realize it's supposed to be a quick, it's a, well, well yeah. And especially like if they're coming from the hospital, what we do is we would have the nurse meet that the patient at the house, assisted living, wherever they call home, our nurse would be right there when the ambulance or the family member brings them back to their home. So that's one thing that, you know, again, there's no waiting around. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So share with us um, some of the other things that you offer at the medical team. So the medical team is uh, is made up of, of different divisions. And again, I am the expert in the hospice division, but we also have what's called home care. Home care, most people are familiar with, is that if you go in the hospital and you have a um, knee surgery or shoulder surgery or you need some kind of rehab, they'll send you home with a script um, for Medicare. And it's up to you to get, a, again, get an order from your primary care doctor 
and we would have physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, skilled nursing, speech therapy. That all falls under the umbrella of home care. A lot of people don't know the difference between home care and hospice. And home care is out to rehabilitate people, to get them back into the community, to get them stronger. A lot of times they've been in the hospital um, laying in bed and they're weak and they, you know, they need that physical therapy. Um, and then when I'm talking about home care and hospice, we also have a palliative care program where a lot of times it's that bridge. You're not quite ready to give up chemo. You still want to go to the hospital. You still want aggressive treatment. Um, and, but you're not ready for hospice. That is a way to keep you on home care until you can make that decision. Um, so that's we that's we're one of the companies that offer the palliative care. We also have private duty. So a lot of times people, especially those giving um, caring for a loved one in their home, if they need some, you know, they need to get out. They have doctor's appointments. You know, um, caregiver burnout is a big thing, and you want to hire somebody um, as a sitter. Um, private duty is there to help do whatever they need to do. Um, sometimes the private duty can help with late housekeeping, things like that. Um, and then we have catastrophic care um, and uh, also personal care services. Those are um, a lot of people may know of like American House. It's an independent living, but um, our medical team um, is in a lot of the American Houses and some other um assisted living facilities where when I say personal care services, they're there to help with the, um, um, everyday activities as far, um, living skills, uh, getting dressed. Yeah. Activities of daily living. So dressing, grooming, showering, those types of things, because it is overwhelming. And, and this is a, this is a great um, time to say this. When you have a loved one that you're caring for and you're actually helping them in the shower and helping them eat and helping them get dressed and tie their shoes and doing all that for them, you're going to be exhausted. And it is important to know that, that they have an, a company, medical team can come in and help your loved one with the shower. They do this all the time, right? Do all the care for them. So you can be the spouse and just spend quality time with them and not actually doing the actual caregiving. I love that you offer a full a continuum, continuum of care. Of care. Great company to work with and a full continuum of care is really critical, is really critical. Okay, so we've got five minutes left in the program. I would love for you to share the most important takeaways and also give your phone number again to our listeners so they can call you about questions with us. I'm going to give you my, uh, my, cell, my work cell phone number, and that is 734 six zero two one and I would love to hear from you I have um, again a lot of experience um, I answer my phone at night and on the weekends during the day um, I can come to your home a lot of times um, we're just past the holidays but maybe um, families have gotten together um, they haven't seen their loved ones in a while they, they've noticed a decline um, maybe they've talked about, you know, what are we going to do? We have to put a plan, uh, a plan in, in process. We don't know how to go about doing it. Can you help me? I have resources that I can give you. Um, and just some kind of direction and know that somebody's out there that cares about people 
loved ones, making it an easier job. I would love to take that burden off your shoulders and help guide you whatever way I can. And I don't know about you listeners, but I would love to have Nancy walk in my, my, my house and sit down with my family because you're warm, you're personable, you're knowledgeable. You're able to communicate this information. It is, it's a hard time. It's a hard time in everyone's life. I think a lot of times I I get a lot of families that don't want to broach the subject. And, and I tell them, I, that's my expertise. I'm not clinical. I'm, I'm not a nurse, but I, I, I have a heart for passion. Um, I'm a passion for hospice. Um, and it shows through when I meet with families, um, and it takes the burden off of them having to approach the subject because again, I like to talk to talk about it as comfort care, extra help, um, an insurance policy that they're not going to go back and forth to the hospital. Again, like Wendy said, that it's not written in stone. If they do sign on for hospice and um, they change their mind, we just there's just a piece of paper that they sign. It's very easy to go off of hospice. Again, a lot of times when we go in, we're given, you know, we've got their um, medications managed. And that's a big that's a big thing, too. Wendy, that I did not talk about. A lot of physicians send or people come home from the hospital and they're on all different kinds of medications. A lot of families don't even know what meds they're coming home on and why they're on that medication and what it's doing. And so when hospice comes into the picture, we're going to go through all those meds, you know, the ones that are a benefit, the ones that may be um, no longer effective. Um, the ones that hospice doesn't cover and are very costly, we can substitute something that um, will do the same thing. Um, and so those are things that's, again, about the education um, with families about what hospice can do. Excellent. My takeaway from the program is don't wait too long. I really hope, listeners, if, you, if you're just tuning in and you didn't hear the first couple segments, it's really important If you're going back and forth to the hospital and your loved one is exhausted and pretty much begging you that I don't want to go back to the hospital, this is the time to call in hospice. This is the time that they can step in and help your loved one live out what they have left with comfort. Exactly. Yeah. What what would be your takeaway? We got one more minute left. Again, uh, I think my takeaway is to give me a call and let me meet your family, um, sit down and educate you. If you have any families, again, um, it's, it's never too late to educate yourself and be prepared. Um, a lot of it's the weather is bad now. A lot of people can't get out to get to the doctors. They can't, um, they don't want to leave their apartment. So I'll I'll come to wherever. Right. There's no cost for the evaluation, the assessment, or just to talk with you. So why not? Exactly. Right? I mean, this is an opportunity, listeners, that you can just make the call so you don't have to wait um, to ask a question. And give your number one more time, please. 734-452-6021. And I want to say hospice is the best gift you can give a loved one at end of life. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank you for what you do every day and all the families and people that you are serving because we need you. Again, I love what I do. I know. I can tell she does. Stay tuned, listener. One last segment with the with the words of wisdom. So I'm looking forward to filling you in on a couple um, more details as it as it comes to end, end of life. You're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. 
This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to our last segment, which is now Words of Wisdom. And the reason I started Words of Wisdom is because there is a lot of information that needs to happen as we age. And I feel like over the course of the 10 years that I've owned this company that I've gained a lot of knowledge on different things that need to happen. I've heard a lot of stories and I just want to share those with you. I think it's important to understand and I want to help you. I want to help all of us live through life a little bit more you know, knowledgeable and prepared, I guess. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to talk about since our topic today was hospice and honestly, listeners, hospice is amazing. People have a bad connotation about hospice. It's comfort care. It's there when you need it. And it definitely is something that will make life much more comfortable. So, and you can go on and off hospice if you if you're a hospice graduate, let me tell you, there's no better place to be. But a couple things I wanted to share with you as people may pass in your life, or if you have someone now who is close to that, these are things to know. These are things to think about. Um, the number one thing is please make sure um, if anybody ever passes away in their home, okay, so you're living at home and your husband passes away um, in the home. This is just an example. The first thing you need to do is call 911. And you may or may not know that, but what you need to do is tell the operator, and this is only if they pass in your house, you tell the operator that, you know, this person has passed away, that the death was expected, and that no emergency exists. Because we want them to know my husband, you know, or my wife or whoever has passed away in the house, you know, we were expecting this, a very calm, uh, a good conversation. Otherwise, they're going to come roaring in there with lights flashing, running in, sending a fire engine and, um, you know, the med team to try to resuscitate. But if this was an expected death, you know that this person has passed and you need to call 911 and let them know that. You need to present the DNR. The DNR is a do not resuscitate if the EMTs arrive. So if the ambulance does come, their job is to resuscitate no matter what unless you have a do not resuscitate, which is a piece of paper that you should all have if your loved one is aged and, and maybe either on hospice or near end of life and they pass away from something in the home. So they arrive, um, they will ascertain you know, that the person truly has died, they check the pulse and do time of death and they will contact the funeral home. So if you call 911, they come and let them know the death is expected, they come to the house, the police will come to the house, and they will actually call the funeral home for you. And you need to be prepared to deal with the law enforcement people. And this is something not many people know. And if you do this the wrong way, it's just going to cause a longer, frustrating, worrisome process at the end of life. Now, obviously, if your loved one passes away in a hospital or a rehab or somewhere else in an assisted living, it's a completely different protocol. This is only if someone passes away in your own home that you need to call 911 and the police need to come to the house. Now, I have seen everything from they use caution tape and mark off the area. I mean, I've seen it all. But just know, do not be alarmed. This is a process that happens with everybody. Every single person in the world, you know, the Bible says wants to die. So this is coming. So it's just a matter of, are you know, do you know what to do in that situation or not? And that's why I'm sharing this because I want you to know what to do in that situation. It is important to know that. Some of the other things just to be thinking about, and 
If you've had someone pass in your life, you know this. If you haven't, I want you to know this. But it is really critical to get phone numbers, to get passwords, to know where all the funds are. So in a lot of families, you know, maybe one person is doing paying all the bills. They know where all the accounts are. They know the password to every account, uh, all the information on the checkbook, etc. And maybe the other person doesn't know any of that. Maybe they just really don't know. For example, retirement money might be going into an account from Ford Motor Company into a specific account that, you know, your husband is on, for example, and maybe the wife didn't even know that the money goes directly into that account. So when the husband passes away, now the wife's got to figure out what account is it going in? How much was it? What's his password? How do I get in? Is my name on it? You know, these are all things you want to talk about before somebody passes away. So I'm just going to encourage you listeners, have these conversations with each other right now. Get out a piece of paper, write down every password, your password to your phone, for goodness sake. Sounds silly, but if you don't know what your husband's password is, how are you going to get into his phone? You know, these are the things that you need to learn about and also understand where, what, what are all the different accounts that we have. And whose name is on them? And whose name is the house in? And do you have property somewhere? Or do you have a second house somewhere? Or do you have, and what bank accounts are affiliated with everything? I honestly had a very good friend of mine pass away at 48. And when that happened, I remember pulling my husband aside and saying, I need you to get a piece of paper and write everything that you know on it about anything that has to do with finances because I need to I needed to know that because this in this situation there was no information because she was so young and it was unexpected but I want to encourage you I don't care how old you are if you're married you should have that document somewhere in your house that your loved one knows where it is and what's on it and if you're not married you need to still have that document in your house and you need to tell your kids where it is it is really, really important. And I personally would love you to have a trust or a will or something a little bit more substantial with an elder law attorney. But if you don't, at least have a piece of paper so everyone knows the information. Um, it is important uh, to have these documents done in advance. There are very, there's a lot of attorneys out there that can help you with the process. If you would like, it's your decision. You can go online and do a power of attorney on your own. There's just a lot of different ways to do things. I'm not an attorney. I'm not an expert. I'm just telling you, please do your research, get the information, pull it together, and be prepared. Know who your beneficiaries are. Who do you want things to go to if something happens to you? And if you're having a funeral, let me just tell you this. In lieu of flowers, you can actually make a donation to a charity. And Next Steps for Seniors has a charity called Next Steps for Seniors Foundation. So if you don't know of a charity and you're looking for one, we are doing excellent work for people and would love the opportunity to do more work for our sweet, vulnerable seniors. But we need more funds and able to do that. So just something to think about. And what do you want your funeral to look like? What do you want your arrangements to be? What types of things do you want? Do you want a scripture read? Do you want a church service? Do you want to be cremated? Do you want a, a funeral? You know, these are, do you even want to go to um, the cemetery? You know, people nowadays, some people aren't even doing a cemetery visit. So these are the things that you really want to talk about with your family members and your loved ones. I know, I know you're sitting there saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want anything to do with it, but I am asking, I am pleading, would you rather have what you want or would you rather have something that somebody else dreams up? Because I don't know about you, 
I would much rather have what I'm, what I have in my head, I'd much rather have happen. And to be honest, I would be very disappointed if everybody spent a ton of money on flowers. Number one, everybody knows that I do not have one live flower anywhere in my house or outside <laughs> because they all die. So I would turn over my grave, honestly, if I had flowers delivered because I would want everybody to give to my foundation that I have poured years and years of work into to help others and especially seniors. So why would I have flowers at my funeral? So listeners, if anything ever happens to me, please call my husband and say, no, 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 Wendy does not want flowers. <laughs> but this is the stuff that you need to know right? This is the stuff we need to talk about as difficult as it is. And you can get checklists off, you know, the the internet for heaven's sake. I mean, you can type in, you know, have I communicated with my family and friends, you know, have you discussed your current medical conditions? Honestly, like if you have something happening in your body, have you been completely honest with your family members telling them? Because as we age, we have a tendency, I'm just throwing this out there, to not want everybody to know everything, right? You know, maybe your sugar is high and you're like, ah, it's fine. Well, you might have sugar diabetes and if your family doesn't know and something happens, they may not know you're in a sugar coma. But this is a t this is the type of stuff you've got to communicate with your family members. And if you want it to be a private discussion, have a private discussion. You know, if you only want to tell one person, but I do encourage everyone to have a power of attorney document, someone that you trust that will help at the end of life if you are incapacitated to make the decisions for you. It's very important. The only other thing I wanted to add was it is important to have, you know, if you want, if you're, if you have a pet, if you have a special best friend, if you have a list of people in your life that are really close to you, make that list. How does the family know who to invite to your funeral? <laughs> How does the family know who you would want to talk to at end of life if something happens? I would have a list somewhere. These are all the people in my life that are important to me. And that just makes life so much easier. And if you can go a step further and have addresses and phone numbers, go for it. You are listening to The Patriot. I love sharing words of wisdom with you. And I look forward each and every week to sharing more. FM 101.5 AM 1400. You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248-651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. The preceding program was sponsored by Next Steps for Seniors Foundation. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it and i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com